Happy New Year, friends, and welcome to Sunday morning at First Presbyterian Church. My name is Danny. And I'm Connie. The author of Hebrews writes that our hope in Jesus Christ is a sure and steadfast anchor for the soul. So come and join us and let us celebrate this journey with Christ. Come on in. First reading is from Psalm 22, verses 23 to 31. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. Stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. For he did not despise or abhor the affliction of the afflicted. He did not hide his face from me, but heard when I cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will pay before those who fear him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. To him indeed shall all who sleep in the earth bow down. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, and I shall live for him. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord and proclaim his deliverance to a people yet unborn, saying that he has done it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second lesson is taken from the Gospel of Mark. We are in chapter 8, verses 31 through 38. Familiar, challenging. Listen again with fresh ears. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers... Let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. This is the troubling word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm going to ask you a question and I'm going to give you 10 seconds to think about a response. What does it mean to be a Christian? I'll give you a second. You can have a drink of water. 
Boom, boom. Okay. So give me some, just a few no wrong answers. Uh, feel free, project. What does it mean to be a Christian? Follow Jesus. Love thy neighbor. Unashamed of Christ. Excellent. Walk with Christ. Outstanding. Two more. Believe in Christ. One more. What's that? To bear the cross. Excellent. You would think we would set that up, but we didn't. Well done. To bear the cross. Right. That's where we are today on this second Sunday of Lent, where we are walking toward Jerusalem. We know the story and we know this well. Right before this passage, Jesus had asked Peter, who do they say that I am? Well, they say you're Elijah, you're John the Baptist. No. And then he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the Messiah. And he is praised by Christ. Well done. In Matthew, this is where Jesus tells Peter that you will now, from Simon, you will now be known as Peter. You are the rock, which means rock, Peter means rock, on which I will build my church. I will give you the gates to my kingdom, and the gates of Hades will never prevail against it. That's a big moment for the world, especially for Peter. He's riding high. And then here we go to the despair of today's text. The very next couple of verses, the Son of Man, which is all the way, dates all the way back to the time of Daniel, where Daniel is talking about Son of Man as this divine being that will have all authority and power being brought up here. The Son of Man must undergo suffering and be killed and die and on the third day raise again. Now, my guess is Peter didn't even get to that second half. You ever start to hear something and you get triggered and bam, you're done. You shut down. You don't even hear the rest of the conversation. How about this? George W. Bush said, Barack Obama said, Donald Trump said, Joe Biden said, right there, lost half of you each time I, I did that. It didn't matter what would come next. You have associations, you have emotions, you have thoughts associated with those names. And so you may just shut down. There are other things that trigger us and do the same. I bet Peter heard the same. The son of man, here he goes. Jesus is going to tell us all the great things are getting ready to happen. Must suffer, be killed and die. What? Uh-uh. No, you must be mistaken. And Peter rebukes Jesus. Some chutzpah right there. Peter rebukes Jesus out of good intent. He says, oh, no, 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 no. As long as we are here, nothing is going to happen to you. We, we, can, we can leave town if we need to. If it's getting too hot or too dangerous for you, we will protect you with our very lives. You need not suffer. You will not die as long as we draw breath. That's 
noble, right? He's looking to protect his Savior. But Jesus doesn't respond very well to this. He says, get behind me, Satan, meaning adversary. You're working against what God is trying to do. That's the terminology of this. He's not calling Peter a devil with horns and a pitchfork and a tail. It's more working against being, working against God, obstructing God's will. You have your mind set on human things, not heavenly things. And we do, don't we? Why? Well, because that's our world. That's our context. We are humans that live in a human world. So hard for us to look ahead. So hard for us to look open to God's kingdom that is with us now. Isaiah 55, 8, all the way back to that Old Testament prophet, recounts God saying to us, my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways. And this is one of those times where Jesus picks it up and lifts it out in front of Peter to exemplify that Isaiah passage. You're focused on earthly things. What are those earthly things? Well, nobody, who, who wants to suffer? Who wants to sacrifice? It sounds like giving things up or something up. I don't want to give anything up. I've worked hard to get to the point where I am. Why does God want me to suffer and sacrifice? How come there's not a better way for this? Well, I, I think the key comes in looking at the word sacrifice and suffer. Because it's not sacrificing for sacrificing sake. It's not suffering for suffering's sake. This verse has been used improperly and horrendously over time as Christians harm themselves because they think it's what Christ is asking. It isn't. It should be more attached to the word sacrifice, sacrifice of love for God and for others, and suffering for God and for others. Now, there are small and larger ways to do that. You have sacrificed being here today. You're sitting in worship. If you do it often, it may just not feel like a sacrifice anymore, but you've given up your time. You may have gotten up earlier than you would normally. You've given up a second day of the weekend. You have to rush things. You've got to put on your itchy, scratchy church clothes and come to church and pretend and smile even though everybody's masked up and you can't tell anyway. And in worship, right now, this event... You have opened yourself up to God. That is sacrificial. You have confessed before God. That is suffering and sacrificial in that confession. You are here to listen, to worship, to be a part of a Christian family. There's sacrifice and some degree of suffering in it. And at times we are called for larger bits of suffering and sacrifice, but for God and for others, 
not for the sake of sacrificing and not for the sake of suffering for the sake of suffering. If you give something up, as Vicki mentioned, or take something on, there should be sacrifice and some suffering in that, some self-denial, that's the point. If we're denying ourselves something that keeps us from God, then we're opening space where God's Spirit can come in. And so it's pushing some of the bad parts of ourself down or away so that Christ can come into us through the Holy Spirit. But those things aren't easy. You know that. I know that. Sometimes we give up. Well, it's just the way I'm wired. These are the sins that I'm predisposed to, and I just have to manage them so others don't know it, and I appear to be an outstanding, upstanding member of the community. And we do that. We manage. But this is the time to engage and sacrifice a little bit more through that suffering of some healthy self-denial. Again, not suffering or sacrifice for the sake of hurting yourself. That is not God's plan. Our ways versus God's ways. Our thoughts versus God's thoughts. If you look at the bulletin cover, there's a work of art, and for those of you at home, I'll do my best to describe it to you. It is a picture of a, a human head and shoulders up close. On one side, there is a crown. You see uh, buildings that could be uh, a palace trimmed in gold, large dwellings, very powerful, that one eye looking right at you. And then split screen on the other side of this work of art. Instead of an earthly crown, there is a crown of thorns. The eye is closed in reverence to God. The hand, there is life growing out of plants from the wound in that hand. And over his shoulder, you see kind of more cosmic heaven and earth kingdom of God versus the other side. And these are the two realms that Jesus lifts up and tells Peter, you are focusing on earthly things. And we need to be focusing on heavenly things. It is this dichotomy that rules our life on a daily basis. We make these decisions. Status, power, wealth, materialism, comfort, all of those things that in and of themselves are, are, are not bad and worthy as being what the world would see as successful and accomplishments, all that is good. But when that is our sole focus and not the kingdom of God on this earth and the next, then we become partners just like Peter and become adversaries to God's plan on this earth. Well, then how do we do that? How do we focus more on God's ways than our ways? Well, the rest of the passage tells us we need to deny ourselves. And again, it's not for the sake of denying or harming ourselves. It's denying us of those things that separate us from God and from one another. Those things that we know are a part of our lives. Maybe it's doubt. Maybe it's fear. Maybe deep down we don't really believe as we would like to. And so we're afraid to step up and say and articulate that we are Christians. 
My class on Thursday night is called A Vocabulary of Faith. All of us that joined last week, we talked about God and different names and understandings about God. And the whole, the whole series is focused on giving you words to say so that you can articulate your faith. We want everybody to have an elevator stump speech about why you believe and follow Christ. Doesn't have to be long, doesn't have to be complex. You don't have to be all-knowing. We already have a God. But if you can say to somebody in the grocery store that says, oh, I saw you coming out of church. Why do you believe? Are you a Christian? Why? Or if you're in high school and you're going to go have a roommate in college that might be of a different religion or no faith at all, and they say, are you a Christian? And you say, yes, a little, little terrified because you know the next question's coming. Well, why? Why do you, why do you follow that? We all need to be able to vocalize in some brief and concise way why we believe. It can begin with, well, I don't have it all figured out, or I don't quite understand it all, or but I do know this. I do believe Christ rose from the, whatever, however you get there is where you go. I want to challenge all of you to be thinking in your mind, and again, my class will help us work on that. But if we can't articulate a sense of faith, then what are we standing on? We're guessing it's sand, not rock. And we'll shift as the world around us shifts. We need to be firmly planted in a foundation of the risen Christ. It's that Mark Twain quote that he's attributed, that he said, uh, often people are troubled by the bits of scripture that they don't understand. For me, I am more troubled by the, the passages of scripture that I do understand. And it's the truth, isn't it? There's so much we don't understand about the Bible, but we are given enough to stand on. Peter isn't so much reacting because he doesn't understand. I mean, he does and he doesn't. He doesn't get the bigger picture yet, but he understands what he heard, that this Messiah must suffer and die, and uh-uh, that is not the definition of a Messiah for them in that time. And when Jesus says, pick up your cross, remember, he hadn't even been to the cross yet. We look at it as those who understand how the story's gonna end with him being raised and crucified on the cross. He's not there yet. We're midway through Mark. What? What sense does that make? I'm going to paraphrase an interview with Billy Graham that somebody asked him one time about this passage, and he said, it would be as strange as saying that Jesus were to come to us today and say, pick up your electric chair and walk, and carry your electric chair. What? Carry your syringe for lethal injection. What? What sense does that even make? That's how ridiculous it would have sounded to Peter and to the disciples. No wonder they didn't get it. To sacrifice for God and one another, to suffer for God and one another, all is tied up in what it means to carry our cross. Talk to our confirmants. They've just been studying this. Last week, they made crosses as a part of their curriculum. Now, we won't make them 
carry them in front of you to, to prove that they are indeed Christians, but you may see them at some point in our journey this spring. To carry our cross means that we are seeking to follow and that we are trusting God even over what the world tells us we have to do to be safe, comfortable, Harriet Tubman, a champion of the Underground Railroad, called a modern Moses, the Black Moses. Why? Because she led some 300 slaves from the South in the Underground Railroad, which is not a subterranean cave system, but even more astonishingly, just safe places from the South to the North where they would hide and they had sympathizers that would care for them, some 300 people, some 19 trips. This little old lady. And she was asked what gave her strength, what gave her courage, what allowed her to continue to put her life literally on the line. And she said, oh, it wasn't me. It was the Lord. And I said to God, God, I don't know where to go or what to do. I need you to lead me. And she said, every time God did. Never captured She was stopped. She was beaten here and there, but never captured for this Underground Railroad movement. That is trust. Putting yourself out there in a way in which she was clearly sacrificing her very life. Now, for us, we hope we don't have to do that, although there are Christians around the world who literally are Every time they sing a hymn or read a scripture, they are still underground, their lives at risk. But our call, as I heard, to not be ashamed of Christ, our elevator speech helps us with that. Why are you a Christian? I don't know. Well, my parents, I guess, my grandpa, I guess, well, I don't know. Well, that's, that doesn't do much for you and it doesn't help others to see why any of this matters. For us in this country to pick up our cross means to go and to serve others in difficult places. It means that we need to find those who need our help in whatever way that is. Whether that's oppression in the world, whether that's hunger in the world, whether it is lack of the systems that folks need to live, thrive, and survive, or people who need to hear that God loves them and that there is hope in a sometimes dark and broken world. We cannot be ashamed. We cannot be timid. Now, that doesn't mean we go Jesus thumping either. We go out with our chest puffed up and say, this is the way, listen to me. If you don't, Rotten in hell forever. Have fun with that. No, we are to share why we believe to others in a way that doesn't condemn them, but a way that can welcome them to this table, that can welcome them to Christ's family. We are servants through our sacrifice and servants through our suffering, but appropriate for the God that we serve not for the sake of just sacrifice and just suffering. 
for everything we do, every decision we make every day is about being a Christian and how we will serve. I will close these words from Cyprian, who's a third century, as in the 200s AD, a martyr. He's writing to his friend Donatus and says, This is a cheerful world as I see it from my garden under the shadows of my vines. But if I were to ascend to some high mountain and look over the wide lands, you know very well what I would see. Brigands on the highways, that is thieves, pirates on the sea, armies fighting, cities burning. In the amphitheaters, men murdered to please the applauding crowds, selfishness and cruelty and misery and despair under all roofs. It is a bad world, Donatus, an incredibly bad world. But I have discovered in the midst of it a quiet and holy people who have learned a great secret. They are despised and persecuted, but they care not. They are masters of their souls. They have overcome the world. These people, Donatus, are the Christians, and I am one of them. So with courage, seeking the ways of God and to push back the ways of this world. Let us pick up our crosses of sacrifice for God and others and to love God and one another as we move forward to the cross of he who served all of us in his death and resurrection. Alleluia. Amen.